Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are talking all about the Wishes Collection at Walt Disney World. Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings in Florida offers a couple of different options for getting married. We've already covered the Escape Collection, which is a package. And today we're going to talk about the Wishes Collection, which is available for all the same things as Escape. You can do your wedding, vow renewal, commitment ceremony. But unlike the Escape Collection, Wishes Collection events are built completely from the ground up. They're totally customizable. It's not a package where you only get X, Y, and Z, and you can only swap for one, two, and three. So there's a lot to cover, and this show is probably going to go into two segments just so that we don't bombard you with everything all at once and also so that we can have my lovely and talented co-host Princess Christy who is joining us today ask the kinds of questions that you might have as you first start to learn about the Wishes Collection. So welcome Christy. Thank you for having me again, Carrie. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's always great to talk to you, and you always come up with great questions that I know that our listeners probably will be having, too. So today, we'll just start with a basic overview of what a Wishes Collection event entails. And I should note that this is for anything. You can use it for weddings, vow renewals, commitment ceremonies. Disney treats them all interchangeably. The only difference is whether or not you have a marriage license. Another good thing about the Wishes Collection is it's really all based around the reception. That's the part that's most important to Disney that you pay for. So if you do want to get married off property, say in a Catholic church, then you can have just your reception at Disney and maybe all your other events if you want to have a tea or a dessert party or something. But you don't have to feel like you have to have the ceremony on property if, for example, your religious beliefs limit you to where you can get married. So first, let's just cover the basic requirements. It's not a package, so there's not like one flat fee, but there is a minimum expenditure. Actually, there are a couple minimum expenditures that you are expected to meet in order to qualify for a wishes event. So the first one is what I call the overall minimum expenditure. You're going to hear minimum expenditure bandied around a lot, having to do with food and beverage, how much people spend per person. But Overall, the biggest thing you have to know is there's one lump sum that you have to spend this much money with Disney. And it doesn't matter what you spend it on. You could spend it all on photography if you wanted, but it has to be services provided by Disney. So those numbers are 12000 15000 or 20000 And there's some different factors that determine what number you're going to have to meet. So the lowest minimum, the $12,000 minimum, is for any event held Monday through Thursday at any time of day Or if you do want to get married Friday through Sunday, you can still have the $12,000 be your minimum if you have your ceremony at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. And so this can be a good deal because sometimes, you know, you have a special date you want or your guests can only come on the weekend, but you just can't afford to have a big traditional over-the-top $20,000 wedding on a Saturday. If you can have a morning ceremony and maybe a brunch or a lunch, then you'll save a lot of money. 
So the next highest minimum is $15,000, and this is what you will have to spend if you want to have an event on a Friday or a Sunday. Any time of day except, of course, in the mornings. If you can have your event in the morning on those days, then you would only have to meet $12,000. And then the highest minimum, which is traditionally the highest minimum for this everywhere, is Saturday. So any time of day except for the morning on Saturday, you're looking at spending a minimum of $20,000. And again, if you had a hotel wedding on a Saturday night in New York, you would be spending twice that. I'm not saying that would be your minimum, but <laughs> you you know, this is the traditionally the most popular day to get married. So the cool thing about a Disney wedding, because it's a destination and because people are having to plan a vacation to come to your wedding anyway, you can usually get away with having, say, a Monday morning wedding like some of us did <laughs> because <laughs> people are already off their schedules. They're already just like, okay, I'm on vacation. Tell me where to go, what to do. And we'll talk a little bit about that more. So yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, having the destination wedding, being able to like you said, a Monday morning or even, you know, like a Thursday night, having people come in and out of town. I'm curious if the Saturday 20,000, if locals actually take advantage of that needing the Saturday. Um, but another good option too, is that they do give you the option <laughs> to do it for $12,000 uh, with the minimums on a Saturday morning. That actually kind of surprises me. I would think that they would try to push a 15,000 minimum for a Saturday morning. Bite your tongue. Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I yeah, keep I, those thoughts in my head. <laughs> no, but I think it is because traditionally a lot of people, especially if you're having a local wedding, they kind of look askance if you say that you're getting married in the morning because it's just traditionally people are used to weddings being in the evening. And I think you're right. I think probably locals, especially because they have bigger, they're going to be spending more anyway because they have more people coming. Uh, locals, I'm sure, take more advantage of the Saturday evening wedding. So then that's just the first set of minimums that you have to meet. But that's the big one. That's the number that when people are like, I want to have a wishes wedding. How much is it going to cost? Well, you're looking at at least $12,000. And technically, and we'll get into this, factor at least $2,000 on top of that because you have service charge and tax, which do not apply toward the minimum, but they are due on all of the elements that you buy. In fact, I think we should probably have a whole show about that because it can be really confusing to know what gets service charge, what gets tax, what gets service charge and tax. So just know that yes, 12000 is the bare minimum for having a wishes collection event at Walt Disney World, but you're also looking at service charge and tax on top of that. So basically your subtotal has to hit the minimum. Exactly. So how much you spend with Disney on anything that Disney provides, floral, decor, food, cake, photography, videography. That's one reason sometimes people choose to go with Disney for their photography and videography is because it meets the minimum. So that's just the number that, you know, if you're looking for round figures, you're talking about 12000 to $20,000 to get married at Walt Disney World with a wishes collection. Of course, as we said earlier, there's the escape collection that's cheaper. And later we will tell you about the memories collection, which is even cheaper. But that's for another show. <laughs> I actually have another question on the dates. So yeah. let's say that um, Monday is a holiday or something like that. Do they change the minimums on a holiday? They reserve that right. Like if you read their documentation, it always says, you know, expenditures can change depending on date and time. And, you know, so they want to have that out. But generally, unless it's like a super popular date, like 12-12-12, you're not going to have to worry about, you know, I'm getting married on Memorial Day. Is it going to cost more? No. So then the other minimum that you have to meet is a per person food and beverage minimum. And what this means is that of the money you spend with Disney, of your 12000 you must spend at least $75 on food and beverage per person. 
That's just for breakfast and brunch. Lunch, it's $100. Dinner, it's $125. In 2013, these minimums are going up so that the minimum you must spend per person is $100 for breakfast or brunch, $125 for lunch, and $150 for dinner, which depending on what kind of wedding you're having, I would imagine it could be a little difficult to spend $150 per person on just food and beverages. But it's all food and beverage that is consumed all day. So what that would probably encourage you to do is to have, say, a dessert party in the evening or maybe a bridal tea in the morning so that overall throughout the course of the day, the amount you're spending on food and beverage breaks down to $150 per person if it's 2013 and your ceremony is in the evening and you're having dinner at your reception. So what are the delineations? Like how late can you have your ceremony and still have it count as breakfast and brunch? The times for the breakfast and brunch food and beverage minimum are 8 a.m., 9 a.m., and 10 a.m. ceremonies. Then if you have a noon ceremony, you get the lunch price. And then if you have a 2.30 p.m., 5 p.m., or 7.30 p.m. ceremony, you have to pay the dinner price per person. And so, you know, you can meet this by having a super fancy reception meal. Maybe you have a duo plate that has lobster and steak. Maybe you get a super over-the-top cake because the per-person cost of your cake also applies to this minimum. Like I say, maybe you have a bridal tea or maybe you do a dessert party after the wedding or as part of the wedding, which will have its own food and beverage requirement. Just overall, you need to be spending about that much per person. And again, that all counts toward the overall minimum expenditure of 12000 15000 or 20000 Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to take in, but it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it probably sounds more complicated than it is. And really, if you were looking at doing a hotel wedding anywhere, you would have this sort of thing. There would be the minimum that they would want you to spend with them. There would be maybe a minimum for the particular venue at the hotel that you wanted to use. And then they would require you to spend a certain amount on food and beverage for each guest. It just seems complicated because it isn't like an escape package where you put down your $5,000 and you get everything you need. And you just show up. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the last minimum that you have to worry about is a room night minimum. When you have a wishes event at Walt Disney World, you need to guarantee that your guests and yourself will be booking a certain number of nights, not rooms, nights, and we'll talk about this distinction, in order to hold your event there because Disney's in the business of selling hotel rooms. And so part of the requirement of any catered event is that the guests be staying at Disney hotels. They don't all have to stay there. You just have to meet a certain number of nights. And the bare minimum number of nights is 10, with 25 being the one you want to shoot for, because if you can guarantee 25 nights, you and your groom or bride get a free night at any Disney resort, which is very cool. And you can pick, you know, the most expensive resort if you want, which, as we talked about a couple shows ago, may be the Polynesian. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm local or everybody I know is coming over from Great Britain and they're staying in timeshares off-site. I can't do it. Disney has been known to do these with no room night minimum. So don't freak out if that's your situation. But it is strongly urged that you do set up a room block and meet a certain minimum number of room nights. So, you know, just know that 10 is pretty easy to meet, especially if you're going to stay there because it's not 10 rooms, it's 10 nights. So if you're having, you know, a two-week honeymoon, your entire honeymoon stay, if you're staying on Disney property, could meet the 10-night minimum right there, and then you don't have to worry about it. And if you can get some guests to stay, then you could easily earn yourself a free night. 
So with the room night minimums, does Disney offer a discount for your guests with the room block? Yes. So when you set up a room block through Disney, and a room block is where you set aside a certain number of rooms that your guests will be able to reserve. And that way, if, say, you're going during spring break and it's really popular and the hotels are all selling out, your guests will know there are X number of rooms that we will be able to book. If you set up that room block through Disney, there are discounts included. Unfortunately, they vary by season and by resort. So generally, you're looking at a discount of about 30% off at deluxe resorts that have convention centers. So like the Boardwalk, the Yacht and Beach Club, the Grand Floridian. 15% off at deluxe resorts that don't have convention centers. So that would be like the Polynesian and Animal Kingdom Lodge. And then about 15%, maybe a little bit less at the moderate resorts. And then less than 10% off at value resorts. But again, this varies by season. And sometimes you find that the general public discounts are actually better than the discounts that Disney's offering in your room block. And in that case, you know, encourage your guests to book those. Then all you need to do is take their confirmation numbers and give them to your room block contact, and they can make sure that you get credit for them staying at a Disney resort without them having to actually book through your room block discount. And again, this is another topic that we will do a whole show on because it can be confusing and it can be one of the most stressful things for people doing wishes collection events because they think suddenly it's not all about them. They have to suddenly rely on other people to help them meet a certain requirement. So we'll try to demystify that and take the stress out of that in another episode. For now, you can just stress out about it. No, <laughs> I have we'll a lot <laughs> of questions about the room night, so I'm glad that you're going to do another show about it because <laughs> I didn't yeah. want to make this one drag on to be all about room nights. <laughs> but it is daunting. And just know that if you meet the 25 night minimum, then you get this free night, which is always a nice inducement. And like I say, you can stay someplace maybe you wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. And usually they don't guarantee it. So please don't get your hopes up. But usually, if they can, they put you into a concierge level room, which is really fun. Because again, something we could never afford, we got to do for free, quote unquote, when we paid <laughs> thousands of dollars to get married at Walt Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other things to know, the other basic parts of having a wishes collection event are there's a 21% service charge on food and beverage and audiovisual equipment, strangely enough. And then there is a 6.5% Florida sales tax on a bunch of stuff. And again, we'll do a show about this and I'll just break it down because it's weird. Some things get tax and service charge. Sometimes there's tax on the service charge. And that can also be sort of stressful for people who are planning their budgets down to the penny to need to know, okay, how much over this am I really going to have to pay? Um, other requirements. There recently in the last, oh, I don't know, 18 months or so, Disney has put this disclaimer on the wishes event info that says you have to have a minimum of 20 people. It used to be, you know, you could, as long as you were willing to pay for it, you could have any number. And I think that probably it's just because, especially if you're talking about a dinner on a Saturday night, it would be almost impossible to meet $150 per person food and beverage minimum for, you know, six people or something. But if you are only going to have 18 people, you know, you're worried that what if my guest count drops below 20 at the last second? They're not going to cancel your wedding. Don't worry. <laughs> um, you just work with your sales consultant on that and find out what your options are. But in general, you need to have at least 20 people in order to really make a wishes collection event work. And then the last thing is you need to put down a $2,000 deposit, which can also be kind of daunting. But wait till we get to talking about when you pay your overall minimum expenditure. That's even more daunting. We'll get there in a second. So next, let's talk about the planning. How does this work when you decide, okay, we think we can do this wishes wedding, wishes vow renewal. What's the process? 
the first thing that you can do is you can start talking to Disney at about 16 months out and plan a site visit if you can get down to Florida, which is really cool because it helps you visualize, be right there and see the spaces and settle on ones that really do work for the event that you see in your head. At about 16 months out, you can really start talking to Disney. They can send you estimated budgets, just general generic budgets of how much they think an event sort of like the one you're talking about would cost. You can use Passporters Disney Weddings and Honeymoons to plug in all the options that you want and see how much they're going to cost and what your real budget's going to be after service charge and tax. And then the next thing that you're going to do is book at 12 months out. So you can't actually reserve any of your sites until 12 months out now, which can be a little bit stressful for people who have been planning for two years. But that's Disney's window. It's not just weddings going on. There are other events going on at Walt Disney World. And so in order to get all that to dovetail, 12 months is a good window for them. And then the next thing that you're going to do is you're going to set up the room block, which we touched on a few minutes ago, and pay your $2,000 deposit in order to hold your date and the venues that you want. And so the room block is really key because you can't go forward with the planning process until you submit to them your selection of which resorts you want to make available to your guests and which nights surrounding the event you want to reserve and how many rooms you want each night. So again, we'll do a whole show about this. We'll try to make it less scary because it sounds pretty complicated, but that's the next key step in planning your wedding at Walt Disney World. You can't really go any further than that until you've submitted your room block. And then the site visit, if you haven't already had a site visit, you can certainly plan to have a site visit. We actually combined our site visit with our planning session just because we couldn't go down a bunch of times. And the planning session is great because Basically, in the course of one day, you plan your entire wedding. Of course, you've been planning it and you have been doing all the legwork and getting your Pinterest together and uh, maybe a mood board or some sort of, you know, collecting all your ideas. But the planning session is a neat thing that's available just to wishes and couture collection events where you can actually go to Walt Disney World, sit down with a planner and Like I say, in the course of the day, you map out the entire event. And if you want, you can combine your site visits. So maybe like we did our site visit in the morning and then in the afternoon we had a tasting session and we went to our planning session. So the planning session usually takes place at Franks, which is the sort of the face of Disney's fairy tale weddings. And it's over right next to the wedding pavilion. Your session could last two hours if you really know what you want and it's a really simple event. It could go four hours if it's really complicated and you can't decide between turquoise and aquamarine for the chair sashes. So, you know, they'll they'll spend as much time as they need to spend with you. But basically, you do a lot of the major planning in that one day. And then you go home and you change your mind and you can change everything you want afterwards. So don't worry that you have to set everything in stone right at the planning session. So you cover the whole day from start to finish. Your planner will ask you, you know, how do you plan to get to the ceremony site? What kind of transportation do you need? All the way up through the end of the night, how do you plan to get back to your hotel or wherever you're going to next? And everything that happens in between. Who the names are of your attendants, whose parents are doing what, what color chair covers you want. Do you even want chair covers? What kind of floral do you want? You get to look through all these sample cards and books and you know, online resources. You can bring in your own resources if you want. And then at the very end, the very best part of the planning session, if you ask me, is the cake tasting, where they will bring out little samples of cake and samples of the fillings. And you can try different combinations so that you can pick what you want in your cake. 
And if you want, you can add a menu tasting, but that's a separate thing and you have to ask for it. And a menu tasting takes place either in the kitchen of the site where your reception is going to be or in like a conference room. If like we did our event at the attic and so we didn't meet in the boardwalk kitchen. We met in one of the conference rooms at the boardwalk conference center. But like if your event is in Epcot, sometimes you get to go to the Epcot kitchen to have your tasting, which is very cool. So if you're adding on a menu tasting, is there a charge for that? No, it's free and go hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good to know. I mean, shoot with those minimums that they're charging for the (laughs) for the food and beverage. Right, right. Yeah. And we can talk about this in a separate show, too. But it. I always say use it as a chance to try the things that you don't know what they taste like. So like if you're having brunch and you're going to have Mickey waffles and you eat Mickey waffles every time you go to Disney, don't waste a slot at your menu tasting on Mickey waffles. Pick something that maybe sounds exotic or exciting, but you're not sure how it's going to taste when Disney makes it. Or maybe if you want, say, the boardwalk in to recreate the Canadian cheddar cheese soup at Le Cellier, have that on the tasting menu so you can see if it tastes the same. I guarantee you it will taste the same. But, you know. <laughs> but you're not in the cellier. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and by the same token, we had, when we had an anniversary event at Hollywood Studios, we had them approximate Gico's white cheddar macaroni and cheese. And it was nothing like Gico's white cheddar macaroni oh, and cheese. No. <laughs> so I would definitely recommend tasting anything that you're, you have a specific uh, taste you're going for. That's a good tip. I had a question on your planning session. A lot of brides go into a wedding with a clear idea in the beginning of what they want their reception to look like, you know, especially because they themselves, like you said, have been planning for so long. So I know that when you go into Franks, they have different tables set up with different um, reception ideas and themes. So if you have a specific idea, is that something you'd be able to send ahead to Disney to see if they could try to create it for you so you could actually see what it would look like, how Disney could do that? You know, that's one thing they don't do, which a lot of other places do, especially independent floral and decor designers will make you a mock-up of a bouquet or a table setup. Disney doesn't do that. So you can send it to them ahead, but they won't really talk to you about it until you get there. And they can just show you pictures of ones that they've done. If they don't have a mock-up in Franks, they'll show you pictures from other weddings or they can show you resources online and you can show them resources. You know, I gave them actual printed pictures. Some people direct them to a website or they have a PowerPoint presentation or whatever. But unfortunately, no, they will not make a mock-up for you. And that's one of the reasons some brides and grooms choose to use an outside vendor for their floral and decor at their Disney wedding, which you can do if you're not having the event in a park or in Atlantic Dance Hall. So that can be a good trade-off. You know, maybe you spend your minimum expenditure with Disney on other things, and then you use an outside company to do the chairs or the linens or the floral and decor because, yeah, they might be able to make you a mock-up and really show you what you're going to get beforehand. That's good because... You know, some people just, they need to visualize it. They need to see it to make sure it's going to be what they want before they go in. Because that's a lot of money to spend. (laughs) It is. And, you know, there are a bazillion shades of blue. What's cornflower to you could be Dresden China blue to somebody else. So it is nice to see stuff in advance. Okay, Dresden China blue, that is an obscure color. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But, you know, if a bride wants it, a bride wants it. There you go. Maybe it's her grandmother's china pattern. It could be. It could have special sentimental value to her. But, you know, Disney does have a lot of samples they can show you. I gave them a little piece of my ribbon, that, so I wanted to make sure that the ribbon on my bouquet exactly matched this 
ribbon that I brought with them, but they also had tons of samples that I could have picked from if I wanted to. So, so they have stuff on different stuff on hand for you to pick and choose. Yes. And it can get very overwhelming. We had with our floral planning session, I was going through the flowers and I kept picking the same flower over and over thinking it was different flowers. (laughs) And they kept (laughs) telling me, no, that's a dahlia. I guess you really like dahlias. So... (laughs) After your planning session, and it could be two weeks, it could be two months, depending on your planner's schedule and how busy he or she is, you will get something called a BEO, which is a banquet event order, and an estimated budget. And the BEO is like the style guide or the Bible or the manual for your day. It lays out every single thing that's going to happen and who has to do what to make it happen. And it has some prices in it, but you will also get a separate document called the estimated budget that breaks down just line by line exactly how much everything is going to cost. And a lot of times this can be very shocking because all these things that sounded wonderful at the planning session really tend to add up. So at that point, you can... Add, subtract, change, anything you need. Don't feel like you have to set everything in stone at your planning session. You can still work with your planner over the phone, over the internet, but it's just nice at your planning session to be able to see everything in person. And I do think that, you know, put it all on there at your planning session when you're there. And then if you need to take it off later, no problem. You can go on the disboards.com and there's actually a thread called Share Your Budget. And a lot of people have posted their BEOs just to show the breakdown of what they're getting and how much it costs. And this can be super helpful if you're trying to estimate a budget before you even get to talk to Disney because you can see, oh, okay, so if I want the confetti cannons, they're going to cost me X amount. And, you know, your prices might change, especially things like audio setups can be, they can vary widely depending on where the audio is going to be, but it gives you a ballpark figure. So it's really helpful to be able to look at somebody else's BEO if they'll share it. Yeah, def- I would think, you know, you have this grandiose idea in your head or even maybe something very simple. So to see a sample or what other people are actually seeing to put it all in perspective may help to get your hopes aligned before you go in for that planning session. Exactly. Yeah. And so then after you have the BEO, the estimated budget, the next big deadline that you're going to have is 90 days before your event, your overall minimum expenditure is due. So that's the 12000 or the 15000 or the 20000 You have to pay all of it, which can be kind of scary because it's still three months before your wedding and you've already paid for it. But that's the way it works. <laughs> and then the next thing that's going to happen is 30 days before your event, you make the final payment of any remaining. So if you went over the minimum, and most people do, but it is possible to keep to the minimum. So don't get discouraged if Disney laughs when you say that you want to stick closely to $12,000 because it can be done. But if you do go over, then the final payment is due 30 days out minus the $1,000 deposit. So you've already given them $1,000. So if you go over by 60 bucks or something, nothing's going to be due at 30 days. But if you're having a $50,000 wedding, you'll have to pay the rest 30 days out. And then after the event, the remaining $1,000 of your deposit is used to cover any overages. Like if you had a bill on consumption bar and people drank more than was estimated, then that would come out of the deposit before they would actually dun you and say, hey, you owe us more money. But that's probably a bad example because usually bill on consumption bars, you actually get money back after the wedding, which is really fun. Yeah, getting a refund after a wedding, I can't even, (laughs) I wouldn't even (laughs) fathom that. It's a bonus. (laughs) (laughs) So if I'm, say I'm 16 months out from when I'm planning my wedding and I'm at the Grand Floridian for breakfast at 1900 Park Fair and I decide I'm just going to hop on over to Franks and see if I can talk to them. Is it open 
during the week or it is by appointment only? No, it is usually open. I think the hours are nine to five or something like that. And usually there's someone sitting there, a receptionist who, you know, you can go in and you can look at the table setups and they have mocked up cakes and things. But to get to really nitty gritty, don't expect to, you know, be talking prices and venues and all that. They'll just kind of give you the fluffy overview when you pop into Franks, unless you've scheduled. And you can do that. You can especially people who live locally or who go down a lot, you don't have to stick to the one planning session. You can go down for a separate one for your tasting, a separate one to go over the linens again or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to make an appointment, that is an option. But if you just show up, don't expect to get a lot of real meaty information. But it's nice to know that they're open. Uh- yeah, at least yeah. for you just to peek in, get some inspiration. <laughs> because, yeah, I think a lot of times people think, oh, you know, I, I'm not a bride yet or or I already have my wedding and I can't go in there. But, you know, they don't care. They think it's great. I'm sure they love to see people come visit. Or maybe they were proposed to on the trip and they just want to go take a look at it. Yes. Yeah, I think that must happen a lot. So why don't we wrap up this episode for now so it doesn't get too long. And then in our next episode, we will give a general overview of the way a wishes wedding works, just a timeline from start to finish. And then we'll talk about some of the unique events that you can add to your wedding vow renewal or commitment ceremony when you choose the wishes collection at Walt Disney World. So thanks for joining me, Christy. Thank you. I can't wait to talk more about wishes weddings with you. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide. Available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com slash weddings.asp or in print at passporter.com and amazon.com. <laughs>